Hello and welcome to another Tusk Talks Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host Tusk, known in real life as Adam Chalk, and I'm here to give my honest opinions on the things we like or dislike from all the going on in professional wrestling from shows like WWE, Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown, NXT, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, Impact Wrestling, as well as pay-per-views, premium live events and some indie shows as well as talking about the latest news headlines doing the rounds. So why not go ahead, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome everyone to the AEW Dynamite review. And I wonder if it's too early to say that AEW are back to their best, because that's how it felt watching this show last night. Uh, everything felt right felt like the show was formatted and laid out better the pacing seemed good and they let the big things breathe as well more than they usually do there were two or three things on here that felt big time if not more than that more than two and three some things was really shocking involving AW World Champion MJF and a main event that we've seen before but I could never tire of two big returns as well but let's get to it shall we because John Moxley started off the show and he came out through the crowd and he started talking about starting his wrestling career in Indianapolis uh, talks about how he is at the top of the food chain in AEW and the ring belongs to him. Talks about how there's no one anywhere near the arena that has the balls to tell him otherwise. Then Hangman Adam Page's music plays and out he comes, gets right in the face of John Moxley. Uh, Mox says, are you sure you want to do this? Remember what happened before? Before he could say any more though, a big pull-apart brawl breaks out. Um, they fight up the ramp. John Moxley falls off the ramp, uh, but that only added to the madness. Really, this was a really great opening segment. I thought um, it felt a bit of a reset. It's great to see Angman Adam Page back. Glad sees well with, after that nasty uh, head injury. My one small, and I mean really small, negative is the fact that. Moxley isn't trying to beat the shit out of MJF for what happened at Full Gear. Um, I know we had something along those lines last week, but he just seems to have forgotten it this week. Saying that, though, a real storyline feud between these two is going to be great. And I would love for them to take it to Revolution if they could. That would be tough because it's a long way to go. But I think they could do it. I think that's a, a definitely a pay-per-view match. Our first match of Dynamite, though, was Dax Harwood versus Brian Danielson. And, frankly, it was superb. Uh, they just beat the hell out of each other from the very start. The counters by both men were great, but especially Danielson. 
the way he just seamlessly transitions into a counter move is just a thing of beauty. Uh, one of the best things I can say about this is the fact that most of it felt real. Um, there was a couple of little things I could nitpick, but in there always. Um, it was a great way to build Danielson back up into a world title contender, which I think is the path he's going down, especially with what happened later, um, probably at Revolution. Dax, once again, had an impressive showing and has to be someone that's in conversations at the end of the year for Wrestler of the Year. Um, that's for another time, though, I suppose. Danielson won the match with a label lock, um, as expected, really. But, yeah, really great stuff. Tony Schiavone is then backstage. He's got Ricky Starks with him. And Starks announces that he's going to enter the Diamond Battle Royal next week. Uh, he's coming to take everything away from MGF, including the, the world title and the diamond ring. You know, I get that he explained that, but I just don't understand why I'm not. This felt weird. The, the timing of the diamond ring thing feels really weird as well. Uh, yeah, I don't really get what they're trying to do. We then cut even further back in the arena and see that Adam Page and John Moxley are still going at it. Uh, they've basically been sent home, told to get out of the arena. Rene Paquette is then sat down with 2.0, Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager, Wheeler Uter and Claudio Castagnoli. Didn't really like this, if I'm honest, but... It basically ends up with we're going to get another Daniel Garcia Wheeler Uta match as well as the Claudio Jericho match. Um, uh, that's at uh, final battle, of course. Yeah, not liking this and the whole I like this hat thing from uh, Hager is already starting to be annoying for me. Then the newest member of the AEW roster, A.R. Fox, is in the ring to take on Samoa Joe for the AEW TNT Championship. I really enjoyed this match. I'm enjoying discovering A.R. Fox as an in-ring performer because I didn't know a lot about him before he appeared in AEW. I'd seen clips of him on the indies, but that's about it. Um, just those little highlight reels that you get on YouTube that's all I'd seen he's going to fit in perfectly I think in AEW and yeah this match I mean Joe sort of noped the uh, some sort of dive by Fox to the outside but Fox rolled through and uh, saved him for himself from crashing and burning that was a really great spot they kept the match short enough to not overexpose that Samoa Joe's stamina is not what it used to be, which is a bit of an understatement, to be quite honest. Uh, look, I've been a massive fan of Samoa Joe, but it almost feels that anything over sort of a five-minute match 
he starts to struggle. Not that that was apparent in this match, I, I will say, but it's hard to watch Joe, I think, at the moment. He did win the match, though, hit the muscle buster on Fox. After the match, Joe cut a brief promo and called himself the One Drew King in AEW. Wardlow then comes on the screen and basically... Uh, he's coming for Joe. It's, not, it's Wardlow's world. Uh, didn't like this at all, to be honest, at the end. Um, Wardlow saying he's coming for Joe. Just go out there, then. You're literally backstage, so... Go get him. Uh, you're just behind the curtain. This is probably going to happen at Final Battle as well. Uh... I couldn't believe how much I disliked Wardlow in this either. He sort of took on the heel role for me because he's coming across as an arsehole. He came across as an arsehole before the triple threat at full gear as well. I don't know whether he's being told to act this way or whether Wardlow just wants to act this way. It's not a babyface um, characteristic, let's put it that way. William Regal then walks out to the ring and he introduces the new AW World Champion, MJF. Uh, first thing he does is tell the fans to <laughs> keep their hillbilly mouth shut. He says, not long ago, Regal sent him an email after the firm attacked him. He reads out that email, calls Regal a genius and says it was Regal's idea to use the brass knucks at full gear. He goes on to talk about the firm, and then basically says he can't be arsed chasing them. Uh, he goes on to talk about the old AWO championship, calls it garbage, and then throws it on the floor. He and Regal then unveil a new custom-made championship, which has a Burberry strap. He says that no one but him deserves to be champion. Not Eddie Kingston, not Ricky Starks, not Brian Danielson. He's going to stay champion until the bidding war of 2024. And he's going to use it as a bargaining chip. He name drops Nick Khan and Triple H here. Uh, he continues and says maybe he won't stay in wrestling as maybe he's heading to Hollywood. It uh, goes on to call the fans fickle. He says he's going to wrestle rarely and only, basically only going to wrestle on pay-per-views because he's a special attraction. He goes up on to sort of shit on former champions, JBL, Chris Jericho, uh, Bruno San Martino. He then says it's MGF's era and his reign of terror is just beginning. He then turns his attention to William Regal and puts him over and then thanks him for the brass knuckles. And as he's just finished thanking him, he just drills him in the back of the head from behind with those brass knuckles. He then sort of hovers over his knocked out body and leaves him with the same words Regal said to him all those years ago when he tried out for WWE. This was so fantastic. 
after establishing last week that Regal can't be involved in any physicality um, due to the severity of his injuries, which Brian Danielson put over last week. We knew if MJF is going to be a heel going forward, then he would have to do something really bad for the fans to boo him again, who were loving him and cheering him. But this was definitely it. Hospitalising one of the most respected men in pro wrestling will do it for sure. It's also the perfect write-off for Regal as well, if he is heading back to WWE. Being able to put over the next star of the company. Um, Also thought the commentators were really good as well, especially Taz, who put the severity of what just happened to Regal as he's getting loaded into the ambulance over really well. Uh, Brian Danielson rushed out as well. That was nice because they sort of said he was in the trainer's room. He had one boot on, I think. and Just all of it was great. And, you know, when he started the promo sort of halfway through, you, you think, what is he, like, what is he on about? And it was just so great to get to that ending of the promo. Just so good. He's going to be hated now, MGF. Um, great. Ricky Starks then is up against Ari Davari. But before the bell rings, Ethan Page, Stokely Hathaway and Matt Hardy, for some reason, come out. I completely forgot about the contract thing with Matt Hardy and Private Party. At first when I saw it, I thought maybe something happened on Dark or something. It took me a while to remember. Um, Stokely basically told Matt to piss off to the back. Uh, Paige cuts a decent promo about winning the Battle Royal. And then beating Starks and MJF or something. Then Starks puts um, Ari Davari away in a matter of seconds, finished it with a Rochambeau. Starks looked good for the short amount of time that he was in there, but to be honest, there's not much to talk about here at all. I've already said that the uh, Diamond ring battle royal thing seems weird weird timing also are the trust busters still a thing and if they are where are they where's parker boudreaux sunny kiss and somebody else i can't remember who the other person was not that i'm that bothered if i'm honest but it all seemed a little bit weird that tavari was out there on his own Tony Schiavone then is backstage with Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter and Rebel. All this was was uh, a way to set up a sit-down interview, basically, with Jamie Hayter. Do we really need a backstage segment just to set up a sit-down interview? Why can't we just have the sit-down interview? Odd. Then it was Anna Jay versus Willow Nightingale. 
again, I really enjoyed this. Um, Willow Nightingale is a fantastic baby face. She reminds me a lot of the NXT version of Bailey in the way she connects with the fans. I would love for her to get a big push, uh, head towards that title at some point next year, maybe. Anna J as well has massively improved in the last 12 months and still so young. She's hardly had any matches, uh, so she's early in her career. I think she'll have a great career as well. Willow Nightingale won the match. Um, and again, the big angle off of this was the return of Ruby Soho, who came in and got some revenge on Tay Mello for shattering her face. Uh, she got a massive pop, which is great to see, of course. Good to see her back. We then get an All-Atlantic Championship match set for Rampage between Orange Cassidy and QT Marshall in a backstage segment. Uh, it's quite I like I like the way Orange Cassidy is just like, yeah, let's do it. But I can't say it's a match that I'm desperate to see. I'm sure it would be good on the night. Jay Cargill then comes out with the baddies for a celebration thing, or what was meant to be a celebration. Uh, she looked incredible. Uh, every time I see her, my first thought is, she's a superstar in waiting, this girl. Uh, she just jumps off the screen every single time. She has a go at the baddies for hanging in out with Kira Hogan or something. Uh, she puts herself over big time. In that part of this, she was great. She's wearing a... What would you call it? An outfit made out of money. That's what I'd call it. Um, yeah, like I say, look fantastic. Shen says that Lil Bow Wow is a joke. And just like Magic, he just happened to show up on screen. Says he's coming for her soon or something. I'm not really up to date with music as I'm old and grumpy now, but is Lil Bow Wow still a thing? I remember him being a thing years ago when he was young, but then he disappeared. Maybe that's why I don't really care about this, but I'm sure some people do. Really like Jay Cargill, even though this segment was weird. Certainly want a celebration that seemed rushed as well, but in a few years' time, Jay Cargill was going to be one of the biggest stars in in wrestling. Not just women's wrestling, just in wrestling. Uh, the Acclaimed then have a really weird backstage promo that really didn't work for me. I think some people will like this, but it's just not for me. They're going to challenge the number two tag team in AEW on Rampage, is it? I'm so confused by this. In theory, I guess that's FTR, but something tells me they're not going to call out FTR. And it was time for the main event, as it was the Elite versus Death Triangle in uh, match three of the Best of Seven series. This was just so freaking good. 
I love the way that the Elite jump-started the match on the ramp. They then just went full pelt for the whole match. And I found myself going, oh my God, like every few seconds, it seemed. Even though I've probably seen everything that happened in the match a thousand times or more, but all six of them have a fantastic way of making you believe it's the first time you've ever seen it. Seeing Kenny Omega being back to his best and looking incredible brings me so much joy. I can finally see the best of him in AEW. They're all just doing a great job of making every match in this series look and feel different as well. I am interested to see what they're going to do for the other matches in the series. It was also a great idea to have the Elite win this as well and make it 2-1 because that gives the rest of the matches a hint of drama and anticipation. I think if Death Triangle went 3-0 up, then it would make the rest of the matches way too predictable because you know it's going to go to a 7th match. And they may not get over quite as much in these matches, but this was great. So most of this show was brilliant, I thought. And I would take weeks of this type of show over the roller coasters we've been getting since CM Punk threw a grenade into the works a couple of months ago. Hopefully, though, we can put a line through all this now and go back to AEW being at their best. But that is your AW Dynamite review. And as always, you can tell us what you thought of the show through our Tusk Talks Wrestling Facebook page. Also on Twitter, I am at AdamChalk8 on there. Find us on YouTube as well. I will be back tomorrow with the Impact Wrestling Review. So until then, I've been Adam Chalk. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next time.